there's a there's a difference between courage and biblical courage like you said it comes from a confidence given to us by the holy spirit in the promises of god that allow us to be able to act according to truth uh, in these moments where we where we not only are thinking we might fail but um, we will look like failures because we're actually standing for something that uh, the domain of darkness hates. Welcome back to the Small Town Summit podcast. Our hope is that through this episode, we would be taking some of the lived experience and the rich theology that we get to enjoy at our summits and make it accessible to you. And so today I'm excited to have Michael Badger and Josh Moore on the podcast. They both pastor in Vermont and are on our partner team for Vermont. And at the summit that will be happening in South Royalton, Vermont on May 11th, Josh and Michael will be leading us in a breakout session titled Finding Courage in Small Places. And that's the topic of our conversation today as a kind of teaser for that breakout, if you can make it, and to resource you uh, with regards to this topic if you're unable to be there. One of the great needs of our time is godly courage. The question is, how can we find courage in our weakness? And how can we be bold and courageous for Christ when we live and minister in a mission field that is seemingly full of landmines? So if you are hoping to become more strong and courageous with standing for truth and knowing how to do that in a Christ-like and loving manner, then I hope that you are blessed by this conversation with Josh Moore and Michael Badger. Michael and Josh, so thrilling to have you guys on the podcast. How are you today? We're doing great, brother. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, I am excited to get into our topic for today of finding courage in small places. Uh, I want to give you guys each an opportunity to introduce, uh, introduce yourselves. And so tell us a little bit about um, who you are, where you're serving, uh, where you're from, and then I want to dive right into our topic together. Uh, so yeah, I'm Michael Badger. Uh, I am one of the elders at Redeemer Church in St. Albans, Vermont. Um, we are a church plant that's been around for about uh, a year and a half now. Uh, and uh, it's been uh, such a, uh, an amazing year and a half filled with a lot of difficulties, a lot of massive blessings. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we've been in Vermont for about two and a half years. And before uh, my wife and I moved up here with a team of two other couples. We were living in West Tennessee, and then we also spent some time in uh, Germany and Ireland. Uh, but originally, I'm from uh, East Tennessee, so kind of the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. And uh, but yeah, so that's a kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. So, and also fun fact about Michael is so Michael and Josh are both Small Town Summit partners serving with us in Vermont. And so we get to serve together more closely, which I'm excited about. And when the guys heard Michael share his story originally, uh, I, I don't know if somebody asked you if you ever considered recording audiobooks or if you just offered up that fun fact. But he was affectionately referred to as The Voice and, <laughs> and may take my job on the podcast. So, uh, Michael, it's kind of good to have you on, but get off as soon as possible. Yeah, okay? I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. This is going to be my okay. podcast soon. All right. 
yeah. be asking you questions. <laughs> Josh, how about you, man? Uh, yeah, so Josh Moore um, in South Royalton, Vermont, and um, been here about almost 10 years now, which is hard to believe. Um, but originally from uh, North Carolina, so I've lived in most of my life in North Carolina, a little bit in South Carolina. Um, I uh, went to uh, Reform Seminary, uh, finished up in 2013, and then uh, took a call here, felt a burden for New England um, and for small places. And um, so here I am with, I've uh, got my uh, my wife, we've been married uh, 15 years and we've got four little kids um, and grateful to be a part of this thing that God's doing in New England. Yeah, man. Well, it's good to have you back on the podcast and uh, Josh is going to be hosting our Vermont Summit on May 11th. Mm. Uh, so we're excited to get back there. And you guys are sharing this breakout on this very topic that we're giving a bit of a teaser for uh, today on finding courage in small places. So how did you guys, I, I think you guys had a, a wide open opportunity to do a breakout together on whatever uh, why finding courage? Why is that a topic that you feel like is pressing for the church to talk about right now? Well, um, I think that's probably, for me, one of the things that's in the forefront of my mind every day uh, when I roll out of bed um, as a, uh, just as a man, let alone as a, as a pastor, um, this calling that God has placed upon me to leave my family um, to leave my wife and my kids, that's a, that takes courage. Um, and um, some days I feel uh, very uh, lacking in that department. But um, here in New England, where uh, ministry is you know hard and the soil is rocky, um, again, I think um, courage is something that uh, feels, for me, very in very short supply. Um, and so it's something that's on my mind a lot. And again, speaking with other pastors like, Michael um, and others um, uh, feeling the same, you know, feeling very much like uh, courage is in short supply. And um, and perhaps uh, is probably if you think of um, the sort of average church and ministry, what people are fed, you kind of think of their diet. Um, a courage is probably not very much, a, a, you know, part of that diet or that conversation that's happening in most churches. Uh, we, we focus on, tend to focus on other things. Uh, we focus on, um, again, which are all needful and good. We think about grace. We think about forgiveness. We think about kindness. We think about being um, uh, winsome. The, these are the sort of the, I, I think, generally speaking, the, the entrees that are being served up week after week in the average church setting. And courage um, boldness, um, contending for truth. These are things that are often not talked about. And so, again, so that's been on my heart for that reason. Um, and maybe some others, but yeah. Michael, would you add anything to that? Yeah. My answer is really not too, uh, not too much different. You know, I, I feel like there's been, uh, you know, in, in many churches that I've had, uh, experience with that I've, that I've kind of seen from afar, um, and just kind of stories that you hear from, uh, various outlets. Um, but there seems to have been a, uh, kind of an elevation of feeling kind of over virtue and truth, 
when it comes to uh, when it comes to what churches are willing to actually stand on and stand for. So there are certain things that seems like you know there's a lot of churches who are uh, willing to stand on on some of the kind of just the the, the base fundamentals um, of the Christian faith, just the kind of the core tenets of the gospel. But there's a lot of other things uh, that uh, that they don't really want to touch on or or talk about much because of this this elevation of feeling it doesn't really make you feel good it doesn't make you feel good to to talk about abortion to talk about uh, 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 godly sexuality and uh, it doesn't make you feel good to talk about the issues surrounding transgenderism and all of these different things uh, and so you, you see kind of this almost this kind of tiptoeing around those uh, those subjects and I think it's because of that it's kind of created this this weak church. Uh, in a lot of different areas. And, uh, and if you start, I believe if you start kind of going down that path of elevating uh, this, this, this feel, these feelings over virtue and truth, it can start uh, having this corrosive effect on everything else. And you can start um, primarily beginning to doubt the very uh, veracity, the very truth of the word of God as a whole of actually being inspired and inerrant. Um, and, uh, and so that's, uh, that's always been kind of on the forefront of my heart. You know, I've, I've spent some time, uh, in Europe, which is very post-Christian. Uh, and so these, um, these, these attacks on the truth of God's word, uh, have been, uh, very, um, potent in, in my life as I've talked with a lot of unbelievers and a lot of people who claim to be Christians. And so it's, it's just been kind of this, uh, kind of ongoing theme, uh, for, my life, I suppose, uh, in my ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I imagine, so we'll need to get into kind of a def, a working definition of what we mean by courage. There's probably uh, a version of it that, that the world has. And then what God means in his word when we talk about biblical courage. But I think that there is a tendency for people to believe that they're being courageous when they're standing really strong on some kind of truth, but it may not take them courage to stand strong on that because there's no opposition or real reason to fear for standing for that kind of truth. So it's not really courage. It's just standing strong, standing firm on, on something. So Mm -hmm. how would you guys define courage? We talked about like, this is something that's, not talked about, maybe we need to step back and really kind of give people a working definition so that we're all finding the same thing today. Well, when I think of um, biblical courage, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to give a, uh, you know, like a one one or two sentence little uh, you know, working definition, but um, pro- probably what um, I, I could do would be um, to think of sort of threads or things that um, um, that maybe are generally born out of the scriptures when we think of courage or see courage talked about. Um, and one of those is that um, courage is, uh, it's not rooted in the self. Um, it looks away from self. So when we see people in the scriptures being um, courageous, um, oftentimes it's uh, rooted in the presence of God. Um, so I think of um, things like, um, you know, Joshua 1.9 would be an example that came to mind immediately when I was uh, been mulling on this for some time. Um, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. The Lord your God will be with you. Um, so the presence of God, you think of um, 
uh, Isaiah 41, 10 is another uh, verse, uh, well-known verse. Uh, do not fear, I am with you. Um, God says, um, you know, do not be dismayed. I am your God. I'll strengthen you and help you. So this, um, so this confidence, not in self, um, not in one's own abilities or talents or giftings, um, but in the Lord and in his presence um, with you. Uh, I would say that's a thread we see um, in scripture. Um, I, I, you know, I have a number of other quick thoughts. Um, uh, I think, um, again, this is for me, these are just things that personally I deal a lot with when I think of, um, you know, the things that sort of keep me from being courageous or the things that get in my head. And one of them oftentimes is a fear of failure. And so I think, um, biblical, uh, courage is focused more on, um, obedience rather than success, so to speak, as defined by, um, you know, whatever the sort of categories that we use when we think of, of success, you know, uh, numbers and people coming to faith and things going well and, you know, all, all the things that, um, you know, pastors probably think about and struggle with. But uh, courage, I think, puts more emphasis on um, obedience rather than success. So you look at, for instance, another example that came to mind recently for me was um, the Israelites standing on um, the border of the land of Canaan and God saying, go in and take the land. Um, uh, well, what happened, right? They go in, they send the spies in, spies come back with bad report and it gets in their head. They're focused on, can we beat these people? Are we going to succeed rather than um, just being obedient and saying, God called us to do this. We need to, to do it. Even if we are fearful, even if we are thinking that, you know, there's no way this is going to go well. Um, God has called us to do it. So I think, um, biblical courage, um, puts more emphasis on obedience, uh, than outward, uh, success. Um, a couple of other, just really, uh, quick thoughts I've had and jotted a few thoughts down about this. Uh, uh, recently, um, I think of, of, um, another example would be like, um, Queen Esther. You think of, of what Esther did. Um, she was motivated by something really good. Um, so I think biblical courage is, um, motivated by something good. So I would distinguish, um, biblical courage from like, you know, the kind of courage it takes to go skydiving or something, you know, cause that's not something that I would ever do. I can't imagine doing that, uh, quite frankly. Um, but that's a different kind of thing. Um, you know, I think biblical courage is motivated by, you know, you might say the, the classic three, um, uh, goodness, uh, truth, beauty, um, that, that it's motivated by those sorts of things. Um, and that's what we see with Esther. Esther went in right into the presence of the king, even though she was not called, um, which, you know, at risk of her own life, but she did it uh, to save her people and to plead with the king. So she was motivated by something uh, good and right and and valuable. Um, those are a few thoughts. Um, I mean, I think um, courage requires seeing some kind of purpose in um, the face of opposition. Um, so like if you don't see uh, conflict as being something good or useful, or potentially beneficial, something that God can use, um, then I think you'll be hesitant to ever 
uh, stand against uh, something or to stand up for truth. Um, so I think, uh, you know, we need to see a purpose in friction. We need to see purpose in um, opposition and even in suffering uh, to be courageous. I think these, these are all just threads that I, I see and, and, uh, when I think about courage biblically. So, yeah, that's good, man. Michael. Yeah, that's good. Um, um, I'm a little angry, Josh, um, because you essentially just (laughs) stole all my ideas, um, all my thoughts on this particular topic. So good, good. All right. That's, that's, uh, that's what I like to hear. Uh, I do want to just say an amen for, for what you said, um, brother, especially about, how having to distinguish, you know, just everyday courage, um, and you know, there's there's courage that that anybody can really kind of act when they think that uh, something difficult or or scary is going on. Like you have you know soldiers who go to war who who exhibit great courage, um, but there's a there's a difference there between between courage uh, and biblical courage, like you said. Um, you know, you have courage where you, you can, you know, stand firm and go into battle. Um, but then you have biblical courage. And I think you were absolutely spot on when you said biblical courage is not something that is ultimately uh, found and mustered or even a natural product of our own hearts. It's it comes from above. It comes from a um, a confidence given to us by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in the promises of God that allow us to be able to act according to truth uh, in these moments where we, where we not only are thinking we might fail, but in, I guess, in, in, uh, in accordance to the world's definition of failure, we will fail. Um, we will look like failures because we're actually standing for something that uh, the domain of darkness uh, hates and despises. And so we are going to receive the hate and vitriol and yet, because our confidence is in the promises of God, in the fact that, uh, that all of these difficulties that we're going to receive for standing in the truth will ultimately work for our good, work for our, uh, our steadfastness in the faith and our growth in character uh, and all of these different, uh, all of these different uh, things that play into our sanctification, um, we can stand firm in the truth because of that, not because of anything else that is within within us it ultimately derives from god and our confidence in the truthfulness of the promises that he's made to us so good yeah i love the emphasis that you guys are placing on all right we we have to focus on god's truth and trusting god and going to him standing with him on the truth, knowing that he's with us. That's where we draw this willingness to face our fears uh, from, and that it is really obedience-based and promises-based. So you you could say that these are really, biblical courage is rooted in the fear of God and faith in his promises, and and you need both of those things Mm. in a robust way. And so... If that's a working definition of courage and where it comes from, then what are some common misconceptions about standing for the truth? Even in today's culture where Christians don't all agree on uh, the need to stand for truth and what that actually functionally looks like. And we were discussing before the call, in small places, it could be even more intimidating 
to stand for the truth because you are more conspicuous doing so than maybe standing in the safety of a, a whole crowd that's standing for the truth. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll, we'll get to, let's do two parts. Okay. We'll get to some of like why it's difficult to stand for the truth, but in terms of where we may not all agree on what this f- functionally looks like in our day-to-day life. Um, and Josh, you pointed out there's a lot of different spheres, right? It takes courage to parent biblically. It takes courage to pastor biblically, to preach faithfully. Mm-hmm. And it takes courage to stand for truth in the public yep. square. So what are some common misconceptions about standing for truth and being courageous? Michael, let's start with you so you don't get all your answers stolen. <laughs> gotcha. um, yeah, I think the, the, the biggest one that, that I can think of when it comes to the misconceptions for standing for truth is that in order to stand for truth, in order to be courageous, you have to essentially be a brute. Um, you have to um, be boisterous. You have to be loud. You have to be um, rude if you need to be. Uh, because that's what it takes to, to fight a hard fight, to fight a, a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, like and, and I think that's a big misconception in, uh, for, for a lot of uh, believers who are standing for things such as abortion. Uh, you know, I think that uh, it doesn't really take much looking online to see, uh, you know, well-intentioned Christians who are making posts about, you know, just using abortion as, a, as an example, um, making very... Um, not maybe hate filled is the right word, the hate filled uh, posts about people who are on the other side of the aisle uh, when it comes to their belief in abortion and, and how it needs to be a right uh, that is protected. Um, and, and I think that that is a, a big misconception in how we are to stand courageously for the truth. Because, you know, I think of, you know, first Corinthians, you know, 16, 13 through 14, uh, where we're told to be watchful. We're told to stand firm in the faith and to act like men. Uh, and that is a, a really um, difficult thing, uh, especially in a place like New England, when you're standing for the truth of something uh, like abortion. Um, and it says to be strong. But then verse thir- uh, 14 ties that all together and says, let all that you do be done in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also think of, uh, you know, first Peter three, uh, where uh, we're called to you know, set aside uh, Christ is holy in our heart, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within us. Uh, but but do so with gentleness and respect. Yeah. And I think that we can sometimes forget that. And we think that being courageous just means being, being hard and being firm. And we forget that in that hardness, in that firmness, in that steadfastness, we're also called to approach these situations with love and gentleness and respect, uh, because we ultimately aren't just in this to, uh, you know, to win arguments, to, uh, uh, to try to get people to uh, vote in a particular way. We're, we're in this because we want to see other people who are made in the image of God come to know the full counsel of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ and the gospel. Yeah, amen. Amen. Well said, brother. That's good, man. Um, the only uh, thoughts I had that I might add to that uh, as far as the misconceptions go um, uh, would be uh, that somehow to be courageous, we need to be fearless. Um, I think that's a common mm. misconception. Kind of puff out your yeah. chest, be, you know, 
big and strong and tough. Um, uh, and we can't be fearless or we can't show any weakness. Um, of course, this is the, the, the theme of, of the summits, right. Um, that we're, we're going to be doing here. Um, that there is a, a gift actually in weakness. Um, it's not a, a hindrance. Um, but I do think that's a common, um, misconception. People think to be courageous, you've got to be, um, you know, fearless. Um, but rather what we see in the scriptures, when we look in the Bible, especially places like the Psalms, we see, um, you know, many Psalms where the writer might say something like, uh, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Um, and some, and some of those were written by King David, you know, who went up against Goliath, you know, this massively bold, courageous, um, small man, um, went up against the giant and, uh, with incredible courage. And he says, when I'm afraid, um, I put my trust in you. So, uh, so I think it's a, a misconception to think that you've got to be fearless you've got to be, you know, sufficient and super strong and have all the answers, um, uh, to be courageous. So those are some thoughts. And, and I wonder too, I wanted to pick up on something you said a minute ago, Michael, <clears throat> that in being courageous, um, there's, a, there's an apologetic aspect to the, to the way we conduct ourselves when we face opposition. It's not just about winning the argument or having the right, you know, answers or standing for the right you know, being on the right side of things, right? We want to stand for the truth, but there's something about the way we do that, that that has even, I think one obviously brings honor and praise to God when we, when we walk in the, in the truth and, and show gentleness and respect, kindness, love towards others, even though we're firm in our position. Um, but it's, you know, you look at the early church and I think much of what you see in the early church is you see not just people making arguments, certainly they were defending the faith, they're making arguments, but they went to their deaths with love in their hearts. Um, and that was powerful in the eyes mm-hmm. of, you know, onlookers. They're thinking, wow, th- these people yeah. are willing yeah. to give up everything. Who, who mm-hmm. is this God? Who is this Jesus um, that they treasure so much that they would die rather than deny him? There's an apologetic... Yeah. Uh, in that. And so anyway, you said something very similar to that. Man, you're absolutely right, because I think when we often think of standing firm and standing strong, we uh, we we sometimes get a little too Christian apologetic, I think, in our <laughs> in our mindset where where we do just think of uh, of the arguments, you yeah. know, whether it be uh, the arguments for life or the arguments for the existence of God or, or what have you. We just think of the arguments and we often forget that that the essence of of the apology for Christianity and the apology in the sense of of the you know the apologia or apologia of uh, you know giving a reason, um, we forget that it's to give a reason for the hope. It's it's for the hope that's within us. You know we're supposed to uh, remember that we as believers, yes, we can give all of those wonderful defenses for the Christian faith and stand firm that way, but we can't forget that as believers, as Christians. We're supposed to be hope givers. We're supposed to show that uh, that the worldview that they are, that other people, that the unbelievers are holding on to, is ultimately hopeless. And we have the true hope, and we can give that to them. But sometimes we kind of just stay in the argument uh, side of things and forget the hope. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to um, in the segue add one thing to have you guys interact with because 
I think sometimes when Christians think about being courageous for Christ or for the gospel, we inevitably go to, you know, these witnessing conversations, or even we talk about brothers and sisters dying for Christ. And so we think about this moment of, of great decision where, you know, we're being told that uh, we need to deny Christ or we'll be arrested or suffer death. And we think, okay, Lord, give me, give me grace for that hour. And it is much harder. Um, well, I guess it's easier to put off courage for that day or for those days out there than to recognize that we're presented with opportunities to stand with Christ in his truth, in, in the ordinary, everyday opportunities of life. Usually they'll come out and bearing witness to him. But, you know, I think about... Um, some believers today looking at different issues and thinking, well, this is not a gospel issue. This is not something to be courageous about. Uh, we're called to defend the gospel and stand firm for Christ, but not necessarily a biblical sexual ethic or fill in the blank, right? You're just, Michael, you're, you're making a big issue about abortion or some other things that are not the main thing, and that's not what we need to spend our courage for. Now, that may sound ridiculous to us because we're not of that persuasion, but there may be people listening who need a real understanding of, okay, well, Pilate asks, looking right at Jesus, what is truth? And Jesus' answer had already come, I am the truth. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is our daily bread and our source of life and and the truth that we must spend our strength on and courage by definition is standing for something anyways when you're afraid of it when you're afraid of the consequences Mm -hmm. and so um i think that what we're talking about is so timely you know you you guys referring to speaking the truth in love doing it from a hope that's within you but then also realizing this has far-reaching implications not just for when you're faced with tough questions that you're scared of getting cornered into uh, when you're sharing the gospel, but just an, an everyday conversation, learning how to go from from that conversation to Christ and, and courageously doing that. And then and then just saying what Jesus says about everything he's spoken about. And, and that takes courage today, big time. To that end, what are the primary factors that keep us from being courageous for Christ and his truth today. Hmm. Well, I think you just, you just hit one right on the head there and nail on the head with some of what you just said, Ben, that, um, I think we, we think of, um, uh, of courage as like, um, you know, well, when we're in some situation, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll find it or we'll, you know, muster it up, um, or it'll come or God will provide it. Um, and I think that, um, is a kind of short-sighted or really shallow view of the way God tends to work. Um, I mean, you know, we love to talk about things and um, in our circles, uh, the means of grace, right? Grace uh, comes to us um, through certain means that God has appointed um, uh, through the preaching of the word uh, sacraments, right? There's, 
number of things we could point to that we would say are are, are uh, conduits of grace where God really shows up and moves. Um, and, um, and and so I think there's there's certain means that God has given to us that um, on a, a daily basis we need to be employing um, and giving ourselves to uh, if we're to find courage when the heat's really turned up. So what I'm saying is um, I think that some of the things that keep us from being courageous are just uh, daily neglect, right? It just um, daily neglect of prayer, daily neglect of the word, daily neglect of being courageous in those small things like you just mentioned, right? Um, maybe failing to have that hard conversation with a son or daughter um, or with, you know, uh, with our spouse um, or with a neighbor, someone in our church have, you know, just daily, uh, weekly, not doing those things, neglecting some of that. I think um, that these are, um, you know, I'm, I played sports, I'm an athlete. Um, you don't just show up to the event and hope it goes well, right? You train, you, you, you uh, do things uh, over the course of time that prepare you for um, the big moment, the big game. And, and I think likewise, um, that's the way it is with courage. I think we need to, sh- we need to exercise our, our, those muscles on a daily basis, um, you know, turn from sin, fight sin, um, fight fear, fight um, passivity, fight those things that are again, very prevalent in all of our lives. Um, and then when, you know, when the heat's on, uh, we're more likely, I think, in those moments to, to do um, what we need to do, what God calls us to do. So so good, man. So it can be cultivated. Yeah, that's right. Michael, what would you add, man? Things that keep us from being courageous for Christ and his truth. Yeah, well, I mean, this is a, a pretty pertinent question for me because, you know, I'm a ever-recovering coward, I think. Um, and... I think it, it just, mm-hmm. for me, it goes back to Galatians, you know, one ten for, for me personally, mm-hmm. um, in, in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, where Paul is seeking for, am I, or asking it, you know, for, a, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? And, uh, so I think that one of the biggest hurdles for people acting courageously mm-hmm. is that fear of man, um, is, uh, fearing man and valuing man's opinion of him, uh, yeah. more than valuing Jesus and his truth. Um, and I think that's a, a really difficult thing to overcome, especially in our particular culture now. I mean, it's always been an issue. Um, and uh, But I believe that, you know, we live in such a socially connected uh, world where you have Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all these different uh, social media uh, apparatuses that cause you to care sometimes more about what other people are thinking of you than you otherwise would. Uh, and so therefore you don't want to, uh, stand out in the crowd too much because the avalanche of, of hateful comments that might come your way would be just way too overwhelming. Um, and so I think for, for, for me, that's one of the biggest things that, uh, biggest hurdles that I've had is just overcoming the fear of man and trusting, uh, trusting my reputation, um, or sorry, trusting the Lord with my reputation, I should say, uh, and uh, and caring far more what He thinks rather than what uh, uh, what the opinions of the world around me thinks. So good, man. You talked about earlier at the beginning having a sense of duty and yeah. virtue over yeah. feeling. Yeah, and I feel like mm-hmm. what you just talked about with social media. You, if you combine your two answers, you look at, on one hand, we can be cultivating courage or almost cultivating cowardice. 
and we can almost wait for the opportunities to display courage for Christ's truth to come to us, yeah. mm-hmm. which is generally not how courage works. If, if there is the glory of God to be defended and stood for, then um, he, he may not call everybody to go be proactive to write something or to stand for something or to preach something. But if we're never speaking to proactively the the truth that is being attacked, then we run the risk of neglecting our duty to contend for the truth that's been delivered to us. And um, so there has to be that real sense of um, spirit, yeah. spirit-led courage, right? He's leading us to stand for this, and as he leads us into mm-hmm. it, then... When he said to stand into, the, we're we're preaching through Exodus right now, um, and Moses is like the opposite of courage in chapter four. You know, I think he gives God five different objections, and uh, but God's so patient with him, and he he uses it and cultivates it, and then that courage grows as he obeys and steps out in faith, and um, so we have to trust that God's going to do that, and not resist when His Spirit pushes us into it. Uh, and be obedient to those things. Mm-hmm. So maybe lay leaders listening into this or pastors who are thinking, yes, uh, this is a burden of mine. Also, sometimes a coward. I want to grow in this. I want to help my people to grow in this. What can they do besides come to the breakout that you guys are doing on May 11th? Um, yeah, sure. I, I, I've got a, a few thoughts on that, you know, and I think that, uh, um, you know, one is, I think, uh, going back to um, the sufficiency, the inerrancy, um, the uh, the inspired word of God uh, and, and really teaching on that. Because mm-hmm. if we if we are teaching our congregation that uh, what we read in Scripture is truly inspired, is truly uh, theonustos, actually breathed out by God uh, and the words that are found in there are worthy uh, of defending, are worthy of, of standing on and building our lives upon, uh, then I think that we are, we are helping them see the world through a more biblical lens and, uh, and making them understand that, uh, that Scripture is what it claims to be, the actual mm-hmm. Word of God. And so, therefore, it's, it's worthy of defense and worthy of, of uh, courageously standing for it. Um, and so that's one. I think uh, I've got two others off the top of my head. Um, you know, one is more more practical, which is uh, essentially stay off of social media as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a lot of people are being conditioned to to care more and more and more what the world around them actually uh, thinks uh, based off of social media. You know, I think there's plenty of scientific studies that you can uh, you can dig into that, that show that, but I think it's a, especially a, a danger for pastors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that, uh, the more a pastor's on social media, the more he is starting to care more about this kind of ethereal flock than he is about his actual congregation in the local church. Mm-hmm. And so he starts kind of caring, catering to all of these people that he's trying to, you know, kind of reach. Um, and, uh, and, and that might start, you know, kind of affecting his heart a little bit. Um, yeah, and uh, and I guess lastly is 
is really Galatians 6 as well, um, is, is truly leaning on our brothers and sisters in Christ to help us carry the burdens that we are going to carry or that we are going to be taking on as we stand uh, confidently and courageously on the word of God and making these stands uh, and not trying to carry those uh, burdens ourselves um, and, and running to one another uh, and trying to unload some of that on our brothers and sisters in Christ um, as we are being weighed down by the heaviness of, of the vitriol that we will receive from the world um, because of standing courageously. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, some of uh, what I would say has kind of already been touched on a little, um, but worth uh, reemphasizing that um, some of, I think, what um, the church today, at least in my circles, my experience, uh, is dealing with is um, we've kind of been fed a diet of, of what I would call uh, sort of like um, fluffy, soft stuff and, and, and not maybe a lot of meat. Um, again, probably not true everywhere, but in many places. So I, I think, um, if, if we want to cultivate in ourselves and cultivate in our congregations courage, one of the things we need to do is, um, to have those hard conversations and to touch on, uh, those hard topics and to not dance around them. I think that was a phrase someone used earlier, um, because I, I don't think we're doing ourselves any good. It might be easier or more comfortable um, to, to, uh, to preach on the things that we all, you know, like to hear about. Um, but, um, I, I think there's really, in terms of, of building a strong church and in terms of building something lasting, um, uh, we need to be talking about hard things. And so, um, I mean, Jesus said, I uh, think of John 16 in this world, you will have trouble. Um, take heart. I've overcome the world. Sometimes the way we do ministry is almost um, trying to avoid those words of Jesus. We're trying to do ministry in a way uh, that sort of circumvents that, um, avoids the hardship. But um, if we are really doing what Jesus said um, in the Great Commission, he didn't say, hey, teach the main things that I said, um, whatever those might be. He said, go into all the world and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. And a lot of that stuff is hard, tough, difficult stuff. And if we're doing that faithfully, yeah, um, we're going to have trouble. It's going to be hard. And I think we do ourselves and our church a great disservice by, by thinking we have the wisdom to figure out what we should say, what we shouldn't say, what things we should t teach and shouldn't teach. Um, that's pretty arrogant, I think, right? And not only that, in the long run, I think we, again, we do, we do harm to ourselves, to our flocks. Um, so if we want to build up courage, I think one of the sort of counterintuitive ways to do that is to actually take people in those really uncomfortable places and those hard conversations where we're all insecure and feel like, you know, maybe this is stuff we don't have the answers for. We don't necessarily immediately know what to say or do, but let's go there together as a church. Let's see what the Lord says about it. And let's, you know, trust him that he will be with us in those places and, and strengthen us and build us. Because in a, in a real way, in those moments, you're going to be modeling courage for them. Yep. Because pastorally, you might be afraid yep. that you're going to lose people or people, you're going to get emails or people are going to be frustrated with you or all those things. But I, you know, I was doing a, a evangelism training at Stephen's church uh, about a month ago, and we were talking about speaking 
spiritually spoken words mm. that we heard from God in secret and proclaiming those from the housetops. And when you do that, he lays on your heart to go to these hard things and you model that for them. Then you're showing them how to do that. Yeah. And uh, we were talking right before this, you know, <clears throat> John the Baptist did that. Yeah. What he heard spoken to him in secret was you should not have your brother's wife, which probably to most people today doesn't seem like a gospel issue, but he was the greatest preacher that's ever been born of women and was speaking spiritually spoken words um, that he ended up dying for. And uh, we have to be willing to have that John the Baptist kind of courage. And so I think modeling it for him, man, to your point, is huge. And I think also teaching. Jesus said if if we shrink back, his soul takes no pleasure in us. So we don't shrink back. We go to him outside the gate because we prize his glory and his honor above our safety or our comfort. Um, so we have to keep hitting those home increasingly today as people experience it more and more. Um, I'm thankful for the way you guys um, have modeled this and are um, thinking uh, biblically and pulling treasure out of God's word for people um, for their nourishment and their growth. It is so critical for the church today to find a courage that's got steel in it yeah. with, with real faith in a, a God that we really fear. Um, you have any parting words of encouragement, um, either for, for pastors or uh, just people who love Jesus that are serving him in small places that either this is their big thing or a final word toward courage that you would give them? I guess the thing that is on my heart is, um, is exactly what the, um, the apostles did when they were threatened. Um, I think right there, not long after the, uh, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, they're out talking and they're called in before the leaders and they say, you won't speak of this again. And what did they do? They went and they prayed for boldness and for courage to continue to do the thing that Jesus had called them to do. And I think that's where we are as a, um, as a community of faith, as a church here in the West. Um, I mean, I think believers all across the world have been in this position for a long time, but I think we're kind of suddenly in this position where we're feeling really um, the opposition and, and fear is perhaps creeping up for many. And I think it's something we have to pray for. I mean, we can certainly do the things that we've talked about here, be in the word, have a consistent prayer life, but I think asking specifically, God, give me courage, embolden me to be faithful, to speak the truth and to live the truth before people day in and day out. Um, you know, I, I think, um, I think there's a lot to be said for that and, and that modeling and, and seeing what the apostles did, right? They went together and they prayed for boldness. Um, even though they were just told, you know, you can't do this. Don't do this. They got together and said, God, help us to be bold. Um, I think we need to be doing that. Let's do that at the breakout on May 11th and just see if God wouldn't be pleased to shake that place, yeah. pouring out his spirit on mm. maybe even the whole, maybe the whole building, maybe not even just uh, the breakout room. Yeah. But man, that'd be yeah. great. We should do that. Amen. Michael, would you add anything, man? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, just an amen to that. Um, and uh, I guess my last parting thought would uh, would uh, Sinclair Ferguson. He's got this uh, beautiful quote that uh, says that you know we as believers have to uh, we must see past the horizon of this world. Um, and and I think that is so pertinent when it comes to this particular topic of of courage. Um, you know, we have to be able to like Jesus. Um, see the hope that is set before us uh, and remember that it is that hope, um, that hope in Christ and the, the hope that we are going to be uh, fellow heirs or we are fellow heirs with him uh, and that we can move forward with mm-hmm. that truth in victory um, as we uh, as we uh, move forward in courage, as we uh, face a, uh, in a the opposition that comes from this domain of darkness that we are currently in that's so good look look beyond the horizon in any situation when standing for truth where is jesus in this and then let's go to him stand with him he's with us he's for us and he'll help us all right boys love you guys appreciate your wisdom in this thank you ben yeah thank you thank you love you too brother god bless you I'm thankful to Josh and to Michael for their time today and for their wisdom. If you are anywhere near South Royalton, Vermont, it is not too late to register for our summit. That will be on Thursday, May 11th. We hope to see you there. If you're anywhere in the area, bring a group of friends and come glean with us from 2 Corinthians on the blessing of our weakness in ministry. If you want to find out more information about other summits that are happening this year throughout New England, you can check out our website, smalltownsummits.com, and there you'll also be able to access our articles and subscribe to our newsletter or become a financial partner with us in the ministry. As always, thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you.